Hello, and thank you for connecting with us here at Oasis Online. If this ministry is an encouragement to you, I would love to hear from you. Would you send me an email at pastor at obclv.org? I hope you enjoy the service today and that God would speak directly to your heart. When you did wrong in the face of your parents, there was always a natural shying away from your mom and dad. When I came home from doing something dumb within our neighborhood, I didn't run home to my mom and dad. I kind of would run home and skirt the situation. Why we have a guilty, we have a conscience inside of us, and when we think they've found out that we've done wrong, we, we back off, right? It's natural. Sin separates. Not only does sin separate you and I, when there's a difference between you and I and there's a wrongdoing, which is why forgiveness is needed, But more importantly, sin separates from us and an almighty God. So as we continue to go forward, it changes our focus. In Psalms chapter 16, in Psalm 16 and verse number 11, it it states, Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. When I think of that passage of Scripture, God will show me the path of life. In his presence is fullness and, or fullness of joy. At the right hand there are pleasures forevermore. When we start and we stop and we think about those things, when my focus is on him, we understand the joy, we understand the peace, we get some of those things. There's a lot of things our focus when sin comes in changes. Because I no longer think of the joy of God. Now it's God doesn't like me. God is separated from me. God is this. God is that. Why did God do this? And why did God do that? My focus changes. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the thoughts that I think towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil. As we live for Him and we do the things that He has called us to, our path is one way. When we fall off that path and we get onto our own thing and sin derives us or drives us into a different direction, my focus is changed based on sin. Not only does it separate us and change our focus, it enslaves us, it blinds us. Matthew 15 speaks that that sin blinds, it speaks of the blind leading the blind. 1 John 2 speaks that not knowing where we are going as we are blinded by the darkness. Romans 6, 16, know ye not that to whom ye yield yourselves servants to obey His servants ye are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or obedience unto righteousness. But as we give ourselves to sin, we become in bondage, we become enslaved to that thing. We are blinded by sin. There's so many things this morning that I could really jump on to when we start to think about sin and, and forgiveness of, of why in the world do I need this? But as I look at the idea that God hates sin, as I look at the idea that the sin that I have separates me from God, 
As I look at the idea that not only does it separate me, but it takes my path from one direction and it completely changes my path. Not only does it do that, but it's something I find myself to be in bondage to, that I find myself chained to, that I find myself enslaved to. I find myself and I begin to think of the idea that forgiveness is needed. There's truly a need for forgiveness when we stop and we think of all of who we really are. Who am I? And I understand this morning I may be kind of preaching to the choir when it comes to some of these things, but as I stopped and I started to think and follow the leader and I'm looking at to, to who Christ is and, and why can I follow this man? Why can we, maybe going back to the days when Jesus walked the earth, why would people follow who he was? What was it about him that would draw people to him? Why do we follow people? Why do we follow? I stated a few weeks ago I can follow somebody who's humble. I can follow somebody who serves. I can follow somebody who is forgiving and loving. Because the reality is, though we don't fully understand forgiveness because of our imperfection, I can't completely grasp in my mind what it is, the forgiveness that God has given to me. I can't do it. No matter how hard I try, I just can't do it. Because in my mind, I can always justify so many things of who I am and what I've done and why I am the way that I am. But when I stopped and I started to study these things and I started to look at some of this stuff, the idea that God is 100% holy, There has to be forgiveness. And so as we look this morning, because God hates sin, because sin separates, because sin embondages or enslaves us and does all of those things, because sin takes us in a different path, because sin does all that sin does, there has to be forgiveness. There has to be. So this morning, I want to look at just a few things that because there is sin, because of my human nature, because of all of those things, because God hates it, because it is in us, there has to be a few things that take place. And this morning, I want us to look at just a couple points. And again, I'm not giving you anything that's new this morning. I'm not giving you anything that maybe you've never heard before. But I believe with all of my heart, this may have been one of the most convicting things that I've studied in a very, very, very long time. And you might go, well, that's kind of weird. It's forgiveness. Yep, it's forgiveness. When I sat, and this is, maybe you laugh, but... Friday morning, I needed to finish my sermon, and I didn't really want to come and sit in the office. 
So Friday morning, I found myself on Stephanie and Sunset at McDonald's. You're like, how in the world can you study at McDonald's? I don't know, but I love it. Grabbed me a Coke, sat it on the table, had my Bible out, had my computer and some notes out, put some earbuds in, and I'm just listening to music, typing away. And as I'm sitting there and as I'm studying and as I'm really just writing all of my notes out and putting these thoughts together, I'm just about finished with my sermon. And have you ever just been convicted? Hopefully, you have. (laughs) But I'm sitting at McDonald's and my eyes are swelling up with tears and I'm thinking, oh my goodness, I can't do this here. There's people everywhere. My eyes are swelled up with tears. I text my wife. I'm like, I'm half bawling like a baby in McDonald's in front of everybody. (laughs) It's called embarrassment. That's what that is. But I'm sitting there and I'm trying to hold it in, you know, and then all of a sudden you get one that drips out. But I'm, I began to think of me. And to stop and go through so many aspects of my life and really trying to just picture. And I stopped and I even sent a, I sent a text message to my wife. Thank you for forgiving me. Because I stopped and I had to start and it just, God was just smacking me. I don't know what you want to say, but I was just sitting there and I'm, I'm thinking through this idea. Forgiveness frees us to be something that we can never be outside of forgiveness. When I think of being enslaved to sin, and God breaking that chain and I can walk freely, there's something about that. Even as a Christian, many who sit in the pews and the chairs today that are in bondage to something that has enslaved them as a believer, that they've given themselves over to some form of an addiction or something that has enslaved them, to be able to understand that there's a God who died for that. That we don't have to live like that. I've met with person after person after person over the last couple of years, and so many people, the one thing that I've, I've eventually, I've bought in books, and I've put them in my office, and anytime somebody comes, I say, here you go, here's a book. More people have asked me about forgiveness in the last two years than anything else that I've dealt with. Why? Because forgiveness is one thing that will stop you dead in your tracks, will never give you peace, will never give you comfort, will never allow you to smile, will never allow you to get beyond anything that you've ever faced. And that's exactly where Satan wants you. He doesn't want us to understand forgiveness. He doesn't want us to be convicted of the things that we are we have done, nor that we need to forgive others of. He doesn't want us to do those things. He wants us to sit in our sorrow and speak and think, worry and hurt and all of these people have done all of these things to me. When you live like that, Satan has you exactly where he wants you because there is no joy in that life. There is no freedom in that life. There is no comfort in that life. 
And that's exactly where Satan wants us. So because God hates sin, point number one this morning, there must be sacrifice. You're like, well, duh. (laughs) I told you, this isn't rocket science this morning, I promise. But there must be sacrifice. Hebrews 9, verse 22. And almost all things are by the law purged with blood, and without shedding of blood is no remission. And without going into a big theological discussion this morning or a teaching this morning, if we were to go back to Old Testament, what had to happen for the forgiveness of sin in the Old Testament? There had to have been a shedding of a lamb of the best of the best that we had or they had at that time had to be forgiven or had to be slaughtered. And they would take that blood and that was the, the, the forgiveness, so to speak. As we move forward... Obviously, we sit here today having understood that Jesus Christ was that lamb and was that sacrifice for each of us. 1 Peter 3 and verse number 18. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. He suffered for the sins. If in the Old Testament I would have had to have gone out to my field and grabbed the greatest thing, the greatest animal that I would have had, the most pure, the most spotless animal that I would have had, I would have had to go and get that, bring it, and and take that to the sacrifice. And God looked and found the best thing that He had, which is His only Son. And He said... Blood must be spilt for the forgiveness of sins. And he sends his son. There had to be a sacrifice. So many of us have children in here and we've tried to do that. And I I think I have one son. Could I take my only son and say, here you go. I don't think I can. And I get that we're, our human minds can't even comprehend all that. I understand that. But it had to be in order that you and I can be set free from the bondage and the sin that we live within every single day. Because God hates sin, there had to be a sacrifice. In Ephesians Ephesians 1 and verse number 7, in whom we have redemption through what? His blood. In whom we have redemption through His blood. The forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace. Where does forgiveness come? Forgiveness comes in when there is sacrifice. The only way that you and I can experience Forgiveness is because there was the ultimate sacrifice. Jesus Christ coming and giving of his life. Because God, or because God hates sin, the second point, there must be confession. We must admit our sins. We must be willing to accept our wrongdoing. For all the time, or for all time, I don't know about you, and I, I, 
I'm not getting into anything this morning of, of any whatever, but we live in such a, a day and age where there is no acceptance of anything that we've done wrong. Am I wrong in that? Well, I kill people. Well, I'm mentally wrong. I had a bad parent. I had a this. I had a that. It's, it's never my fault that I've done wrong. It's somebody else's fault. We live in a society that hates police because police are bad because when I do wrong, you're going to arrest me. Hmm. Imagine that. I don't know where your thinking is on anything, but I know in my understanding, we live in a society that nobody wants to accept the fact that I could do anything wrong or that we do anything wrong. It's never my fault. My kid's not the way that he is because of anything that I did as a parent. And that's the society in which we live. And so when we talk today... And I'm not saying that this wasn't the case 50 to 100 years ago. But when we talk today and we look at confession, we must have confession for forgiveness. God hates sin, so there has to be a sacrifice. God hates sin, and because of, in order to accept the sacrifice, I have to confess that I've done anything wrong. First John 1 John 1.9, a passage that many could quote. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and, to, and just to forgive us. Psalms 32.5, I don't know if that's up. I acknowledged my sin unto thee, and mine iniquity have I not hid. I said I will confess my transgressions unto the Lord, and thou forgavest the iniquity of my sin. I acknowledged my sin, I have not hid it, I confess it, and because of that, thou forgavest, thou forgave the iniquity. True repentance comes with confession. Accepting that forgiveness As we go through this, God hates sin, there must be a sacrifice. God hates sin, there must be confession. I have to go to God and basically say, hey, I've done wrong. Hey, I've let you down. Have you ever had to go to a spouse and say, sorry. This is what I've done. Would you forgive me? I have. It's hard to say you've done wrong. Have you ever had to go to one of your children and say, hey, uh, son or daughter, whatever it is, I apologize I did that. Please forgive dad because I should not have acted that way. I have. The only way that we can have fellowship is with confession. Next point this morning is there must be repentance. It isn't just good enough to say, well, I've, I've done wrong. What is repenting? It's the turning from the wrong that we've done. I can tell you all day long that I've messed up. That's, that's probably the easy part. <laughs> 
Well, I don't know, depending on who you have to tell, right? But many of us could say, I've done wrong. Hey, I've confessed, I've, I've said the wrong thing today. But now stopping doing that thing to turn the other way and to act the opposite, to do different, we tell our kids all the time, quit telling me you're sorry if you're not really sorry about it. I'm sorry, Dad, I shouldn't have done that. And then two minutes later, what are they saying? Sorry, Dad, I shouldn't have done it. Well, we just told you not to do that, so don't do it. Stop and turn, repent, do the, different, do the, do the right thing. As we look at this idea, because God hates it, we have to turn, we have to repent, we have to change course. Therefore, thus saith the Lord in Jeremiah 15, 19, If thou return, then will I bring thee again, and thou shalt stand before me. Basically, it says this, and maybe you have a different version, but if we repent, I will restore or bring thee up again. Acts 3.19, repent therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. Proverbs 28.13, he that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have mercy. Repent and be converted that your sins may be blotted out. Proverbs, he that covereth his sins shall not prosper. We have to confess and turn. We have to do those things. And as we do those things, this is really, I guess, maybe the heart of of this sermon this morning. Based on those things, there are results that come to you and I. When I have understood that I have to There has to be a sacrifice. Jesus Christ had to come and die. Something had to die for my forgiveness. Something had to happen. There was a sacrifice that was made. When I understand that, and then I understand that there has to be confession that has to be made, then I understand that there has to be a repentance. If you've ever led somebody through led somebody to the Lord, you kind of give them all of those things. We have to admit that we're a sinner. We confess that we're we're of our sins, and we go through that process, there's a repentance, and based on that, there are results that come from forgiveness. And there are so many things that we could talk about this morning, but as we kind of wrap some of this up this morning, I want us to think of some of the results of forgiveness. There is naturally an eternal aspect of this, where when you come to know Christ and you confess your sins and you seek Christ out, there's an eternal salvation that comes from that. But what about the here and now? What about the here and now with forgiveness? Psalm 32, 1 and 2 says, blessed is he whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Blessed is the man unto whom the Lord imputeth not iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no guile. Blessed or happy is he who is, whose transgression is forgiven. Have you ever been forgiven of something? Not Jesus forgiving us, but have you ever done wrong and somebody has genuinely forgiven you? Did you feel 
almost like a relief. There was a type of a moment. It makes us happy. Maybe that's a bad word. You don't go, oh, yay, I'm happy, happy. You know, we sing the song, happy, happy. There. But it makes us happy. It brings, it's, it's, it's a joy that comes to us because it's a relief. Blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven. Happy is he. It's the same thing. That's, God wants us to live in that manner. The result of all of those things and experiencing those things and confessing and understanding and, and repenting and turning and, and accepting the forgiveness of God is the happy life, so to speak. Because the, transgress, the transgression has been forgiven, we are blessed. We're naturally overcome with a joy. It may be tears. It may be a number of things when, those forg- when someone forgives us. In Isaiah 43 and verse number 25, Isaiah 43 and 25, I, even I, am he that blotteth out thy transgressions for mine, mine own sake and will not remember thy sins. Psalms 103, 12 he removes them as far as the east is from the west. I stated just a few moments ago, Satan wants us to live in our sorrow, so to speak. If you had a rough life prior to Christianity, Satan wants you to remember all of those things and live in that past. He wants you to live saying, well, I can't do this, this, and this because of all of these things. He wants us to live that way. God wants us to understand as far as the east is from the west, so far hath he removed our transgressions from us. He wants us to to live in that. Why? Because we live in that. We understand what I just read a moment ago. Blessed is he. Happy are we when we understand that our transgressions have been forgiven. Just as when you went to somebody and you said, I am sorry, please forgive me, and they genuinely forgave you, and there was fellowship restored, there was peace, there was happiness, the the relief that went off of you, that happiness that came upon you at that point. We can live that way every single day of our lives as a result of those things. The results really are endless when we start thinking about our Christian life. I spoke a few, I guess it's been a number of weeks back, but I did a series in dealing with destiny. And I, I challenged, to, challenged you to, to look at your purpose for life and what you're doing and some of the calling on our lives. When we live our lives not able to forgive or accepting forgiveness, we can never experience any of those things, the destiny of our life, that purpose that we live for. Because we're never happy. There's never joy that ever, we don't ever get to experience the joy of the Christian life. Where does the joy of the Christian life come? In the breaking of the chains of sin, the enslavement, the freedom 
that comes in there. Blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven. Have you ever experienced that? Maybe it was you yourself. The moment that you understood there was a God who died for your sins and and it broke you. And you began to weep over your sin. Have you ever shared the gospel with somebody and you got to experience them just breaking over the sin? They understood there was somebody that loved them. They understood there was somebody that took all of that stuff. And then to watch their life completely become transformed. I got two more things that really apply to you and me. The first is this. Because God hates sin, and there is a sacrifice, there was, or there must be confession, there must be repentance, the result of all of those things, because of that, I can forgive. Because of all of the things that we and you and I have experienced, I can forgive. This is where it really, really starts to hurt. It's been kind of quiet in here this morning. But this is where it hurts a lot more. Because it's nice to stop and think of, look at all the bad that I've done and Jesus loves me and he forgave me. I can put a smile on my face. But when the people you work with punch you in the face every single day and then you're supposed to turn around and love them and forgive them, it's not nearly as easy. When your brother or your sister has done you wrong, when your mom or your dad have done you wrong, when people in your lives have done you wrong that hurt you internally, that have done wrong to you, maybe there's abuse or whatever it is, it's not as easy to say, I love you, I forgive. Because oftentimes the people that we're to forgive won't ever say, I am sorry I've done anything wrong to you. But yet I'm supposed to be the, this loving guy and I'm supposed to do this. It's not easy. But here's what it is. It's the only thing that will allow you to press on. It's the only thing that will allow you to be happy. It's the only thing that will give you joy. It's the only thing that will allow your life as an individual to move forward in life. Otherwise, that individual, that person, has you in bondage, has you enslaved because you can't say forgiven You may never even talk to that person. You know, there's been people I've forgiven in my life that I've never actually picked up the phone and said, hey, I just want you to know you did me wrong and you're forgiven today. There's been many times I've sat in my room or I've sat in an office and I've said, God, I don't know what this means. I don't know, but I just want to say I forgive such and such because that is a weight on my chest and I need to let that go. I've never even let them know that I've forgiven them because they may have never even known that they did wrong. But whatever they said in the midst of a conversation hurt my feelings and I've held on to that. But because 
If we go all the way back to the beginning, why do we need forgiveness? Because God hates sin, there must be forgiveness. Because God hates sin, all of these things has to take place. There had to have been the sacrifice. There has to be a confession. There has to be repentance. And because of all of those things, when we are forgiven by God, there has to be an opportunity. Because of that, I can now forgive. 1 Corinthians deals with, or 1 Corinthians chapter 13, most would call that the love chapter. You know, a lot of that dealing in 1 Corinthians 13, when you start dealing with that, it allows us, when we make that our life, it allows us to look at other people and not have to deal with them the way that I want to deal with them. Because why? He's paid that debt. He doesn't want me to live in that manner. Verse number 5 of chapter 13 in 1 Corinthians says, Doth not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil. And when you look at those things, when I deal in love, and when I deal in that avenue, and my life is, is forgiveness and all of those things, I can behave myself and I don't need to be rude. I don't need to to seek after my own. I don't need some of those things. Matthew 6, again, we look at at the, the Lord's Prayer. He says, for if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. I can forgive because I've been forgiven. When I first started this study, I was thinking of going to the passage of Scripture where the gentleman stood before the judge and he had an innumerable amount of debt that the guy said, it's forgiven. And he basically walked out and he went down the street to the guy that owed him next to nothing and he put him in jail. And that was the first thought that I was going to. Because so many times in my life, that's exactly where I'm at. Now I can't sit here and say that I had this horrific past and I've been abused or I've had some of these things, but I can sit here and say there's been many times and people in my life where forgiveness wasn't the thing that I wanted to do. There's been moments of anger and bitterness in my life. Just like I'm sure there is with everybody else that's sitting in here today. But when I stop, and I know it's hard and I know we don't like to think of this, but when I stop and I think, Christ forgave me. Not that He forgave But he is continually forgiving as I seek and confess and bow down and and seek his forgiveness. Never one time have I went to God and said, God, Father, forgive me. Lord, here it is. This is all that I did this afternoon. This is what I just said. This is whatever. And he goes, well, you know what? Not today, Aaron. Not today, Aaron. I'm really not in a good mood and you hurt my feelings. 
I didn't ever get that. Because I've been forgiven, I can forgive. And lastly, this morning, as we'll close, I can forgive myself. I can forgive myself. I think it's very, very difficult to forgive others. I get that. But I think if there's one thing in counseling from the, for the last 10 years dealing with students and adults and different things, the idea that I can forgive myself and I can move beyond the things that I have done is one of the greatest freedoms that you or I could ever experience. Oftentimes, it's that one thing right there that will never allow me to move forward. But you don't know what I've done. But you don't understand all of the things that I have done, all of the things that I have said, all of the, all of the, all of the, all of the, look at me, this is what I've done, this is what I've done, this is what I've done, this is what I've done. God can't use me because of all of that I've done, that I've done, that I've done. No, because God forgave you, you can get to a place where you accept that forgiveness, really, I think it's really just an acceptance of God's forgiveness, that he, his blood covered that. And because his blood covered that, I can continue to walk forward. Philippians chapter 3, and this is the last passage I'll go to this morning, but Philippians chapter 3, in verse 13 and 14, says this, and again, it's a familiar passage. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Here's what oftentimes we need to do. We need to accept the forgiveness that God's given to us. put them behind us and step forward and press towards the mark of the high calling that God has given to you. That means that means I may need to sit down at my bedside or wherever you do your prayer time or whatever it is that you do. Maybe that's this morning you walk to an altar. Maybe you sit in a chair, whatever that would be. Maybe you need this morning to say, Lord, I've never actually done this before, and I think it may sound a little silly, but I'm asking that you would help me to forgive me. I've done a lot of wrong, and I've given that to you, but I've never truly accepted the fact that you've forgiven me of any of those things. And it's those things, oftentimes, that are the things that allow us or stop us, I should say, from doing that which God has called us to do. I just can't give everything to God. There's always this one thing. Give it to Him. Accept that He forgave you. Forgive yourself and move on. This morning, 
I really didn't know the results of today. I wasn't expecting a huge ovation. But I believe with all of my heart, Satan wants you and I to live not being able to accept that we've been forgiven and not to forgive and move forward with our life. He wants us to live in constant reminder of of who we once were. He wants us to live in constant reminder that you can't do anything. That's where Satan wants us. God wants us to live in understanding that the blood that was shed frees us to live, to have joy. It doesn't matter where you've came from. We hear it all the time. If you listen to different things or whatever, we hear it all the time. We live in America. You can do anything. You live in America. You set your mind to it. You can do it. Hey, that's true. But you know what's more true? I am a child of God. And because I'm a child of God, I don't have to live with the frown on my face. And because circumstances have been bad, I don't have to live just wallowing in that hurt and in that pain. Because I'm a child of God, I can live free. Why? Because the blood that was shed, the sacrifice that's been given, because there was a day that I confessed my sins, because there was a day I repented and turned from my sins, because of that, there's freedom that comes in my life. I don't have to live enslaved to that anymore. That's where God wants us. And why do I believe it's probably one of the most difficult things one I'm learning to speak about, but not only that, but to put into practice? Because it's exactly where Satan wants you. I've had people come to my office, well, pastor, and I've told them, you'll never be able to experience what you're desiring until you forgive what's holding you back. Well, but you don't understand. I don't understand, but I can't give you anything else. The only thing that you can do right now is to forgive so that you can move forward. Because you can't move forward until you've forgiven. Not easy. Not easy. That may be many sleepless nights. That may be many tears. That may be a whole lot of things. But I promise you, I promise you, I promise you, I promise you, when you truly forgive and let go and move forward, you'll understand. I, I, I'll bet you this. I'll bet you next week's paycheck, when you do it, that's not much, but I'll, when you do it, you won't come back to me and go, why in the world did you make me? This is the worst decision I've ever made in my life. Why? Because you're going to have freedom in your life. The joy that you really are after is going to be there. Some of you that sit in here on a weekly basis and you're like, I'm going to church, but you can't put on a smile. When you forgive, you won't take the smile off. Why? As dumb as it may be, as I sat in that seat at McDonald's and 
tears were welling up in my eyes. I don't know if any of that's come across this morning. I hope that something grasped in there. But when I just begin to get a little bit of it, that's convicting. It's God said, you're forgiven. God's opened up his, his home, so to speak. He's opened up heaven and said, hey, you're a child of mine now. You're an heir of my throne. You're no longer just Aaron. One day I'll get there and there'll be a name just for me that he and I will only know. I'm no longer just me. I can look and I can live free. I can look back and I forgive, I can forgive others. Why? Because I understood and I understand. There was a price that was paid that forgave me. When there was never an opportunity, there was never a reason that I should be forgiven. Maybe this morning you're struggling, you need to forgive somebody and you know you need to forgive somebody. Can I encourage you? Can I challenge you? As much as we can't do this because we're human, look at that person as God looks at that person and understand no more that they deserve your forgiveness than you deserved his forgiveness. And because you forgave that person doesn't mean you have to be best friends and you're going to go pow out with them every day for the rest of your life. But I will promise you and I guarantee you you will have a freedom that you may have never experienced. I don't know. I don't know where this sermon hits you at this morning. But I believe with all of my heart that I can follow the leader who forgives. I can follow the leader who will forgive. Every head bowed, every eye closed this morning. Thank you for worshiping with us here at Oasis Online. If this message was an encouragement to you, would you send me an email and let me know at pastor at obclv.org. Before you go, go check us out at oasisbaptistchurch.org. And if we can be of any help to you or an encouragement to you, please let us know. Thank you so much for listening and have a great day.